Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. My name is Cora Gernon. I created this space for women to share all of the details surrounding their pregnancy, labour, birth and everything in between without feeling shy about the detail. Sit back and enjoy over 100 hours of birth stories told by you, the listeners. Hello there. I hope you all had a wonderful week. We've had no sickness here this week. So in comparison to last week, we've had a great one. Just to quickly touch on the event, I've had some messages um, and emails asking, am I going to reschedule? I absolutely am. Um, I'm looking at Kildare this time and on a Sunday in November. So that's all, not all I can share, but all I have to share at the minute. Um, I will have, when I have more details, I promise I will share them. I know there's a couple of people who said that they're using the event as a, a reason for um, lots of you to come together who are just new parents or who are pregnant or uh, for a few different reasons. So it's really nice. And I promise you, you're not going to miss anything. I'll put it everywhere. Website, Instagram, I'll talk about it here. So you won't miss anything. I'll make sure of that. Um, and yes, I've taken a bit of a ba- uh, step back from Instagram just for a couple of weeks while um, we power through with Sean finishing his studies. I'm doing everything solo at the minute. So I have to really put my energy into the kids, making sure Sean is fed and watered to get all his studies done and then we'll be back in action when he finishes at the end of the month and I cannot wait because there's so many cool ideas that I really want to get my teeth sunk into for the podcast and it's great to be able to do that soon. To talk about this week's episode I share my chat with Maria who talks to me about her two pregnancies and births. She gave birth for the first time 18 years ago to her son Lee um, where it was an unplanned pregnancy. She talks to me about navigating all of that as a young person um, carrying being pregnant. Um, she said that she didn't want to tell anyone for about 18 weeks. She kind of wanted to keep it hidden. Um, she talks about going into labour for the first time at such a young age. It was a really traumatic experience for her. Um, 
Um, something that really stands out in her story is the second time round when she had her her second baby, Stevie, very recently with the support of her husband, Paddy, there. She still, she really looked after herself by going to see someone to help her process all that trauma, even though it was 18 years ago. And I was saying to her that I found, I thought that was really impressive because maybe some people wouldn't have done that. They would have thought, oh, it was so long ago, I don't need to revisit that. But she did look after herself by making that decision to speak to somebody. And I'm so glad she did because you can really see the outcome in her most recent experience that she was able to see everything a little bit more clearly. She wasn't crippled with the fear and anxiety of her past experience, which was amazing. And again, similar to uh, an interview that I did a couple of weeks ago, I could just see Maria's face change as she spoke about her more recent experience. So a really important story I think for those of you who have suffered trauma in the past who are pregnant now and maybe feeling fearful and anxious about your experience ahead so I think this is a really um, a really important episode as I feel I think I, I say this every week as I feel with every episode okay I'll stop I'll stop going on so Maria thank you so much for sharing your story I really appreciate it I have tagged her Instagram page in the show notes if you want to reach out and chat to Maria directly. She is more than happy to have that chat. So I will chat you all next week with a new episode and I hope you all look after yourselves this week with little ones returning to play school and whatnot. You've done a great job all summer. Chat to you soon. So Maria, um, you're very welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. I know we've tried to record this maybe three or four times in the past few days. So thank you for your patience. It's just been mental here. Um, and I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. I remember getting your email, was it April or a couple of months back? Yeah. And I thought this was a story that needed to be shared um, as with them all. But I thought your story in particular was one that I think a lot of people can relate to um, having such a big gap between pregnancies as well. It can feel like first yeah. time around um, with your subsequent pregnancy. So do you want to just introduce yourself and then we'll get stuck in? OK, so my name is Maria Dillon and I'm from Castlebar, County Mayo. I'm a hairdresser, self-employed since 2007 and I have two children one, uh, my son Lee is 18. I had him in 2004. And my little girl Stevie is 10 months. So huge, huge gap. Yeah. Um, two very, very different pregnancies, very different in two very different worlds. So do you want to talk us through your first experience? Okay. Um, so where will I start? Um, I was 22, going out with a guy for a couple of months fell pregnant, you know, back in the day when like you could have sex once or twice and get pregnant. <laughs> Is that even a thing anymore? Mm. Um, so yeah, like got up by a couple of months, fell pregnant pretty soon. Um, and that is how that all began. Um, how did you find out? Did you have a missed period or, or, or how, yeah, how did you find out? I think I knew something was wrong, like as in, well, not wrong, but I knew my body wasn't as it should be okay. for a couple of months. I had my suspicions and um, it was just really unfortunate timing because I was I was on this thing for work called a graduation, which basically means in hairdressing, you go to Dublin for two months and you do training and you do an exam at the end of it. So it was called the graduation. That was what it was. And I was in Dublin doing this at the time. So it was just not a good, it was just not a good time, you know, getting on and off buses, like all this stress, exams, mm. et cetera, et cetera. 
And like at the back of my mind, I knew, like I kind of knew I was pregnant, but just couldn't face it at the time. I was like, Jesus, no, I'm not able. I need to get this over with. As soon as I get home, I'll deal with it. But I can't deal with it right now. And I was having all the symptoms, you know, the extreme exhaustion, constantly going to the toilet, being really nauseous, um, you know, up at night a hundred times to go for a wee, all that kind of stuff. But I just couldn't, like, I, I just hard. couldn't, like, couldn't go there. Like, mm. I just, I had to, you know, put on that sort of poker face and just get this over with. And then um, when it was over, like, when I got home, I just went to the pharmacy and bought a test. And I'm sure I knew, like, I knew sitting on the toilet, like, I knew what the outcome was going to be. Um, so it wasn't a shock or anything, but of course, it was a positive test. And... Yeah, we just took it from there. I was in that relationship until Lee was probably a year and a half. Um, yeah, we just kind of dealt with it. Um, I concealed it from my family for a long time. I think I was 18 weeks by the time I started telling people. And now I did have a couple of close friends, a couple of workmates that I knew, but, you know, I hadn't really like, you know, said it to anybody else. And I used to find it so hard to say the words, I'm pregnant. Mm. I couldn't say it. I couldn't say it like anytime I was telling anyone I'd say I'm having a baby or I have news or I have something or I point to my belly I just I wasn't able to say it I found it so hard to get those two words out and what was the response from I suppose your family and friends and those who you're close to um they were kind of shocked I suppose at the start but it was it was all okay you know Mm. it wasn't I thought it was far worse than it was ever going to be yeah I like, say that yeah it, it was probably a storm in a teacup like people were probably shocked for half an hour and then that was fine mm. like it was you know um but I suppose just a very different I was a very different person I wouldn't have had the strength to face things the way that I'd be able to face them now and I probably thought I was doing the right thing at the time I thought it was a good idea to keep this a secret like looking back on it now I can see how absolutely ridiculous that was but at the time, I thought it was a good idea. Oh, I think we can all relate to that at, at 22. It's it's something that you kind of are fearful of. Sure, I only had that conversation with someone recently. Like You spend your 20s avoiding getting pregnant and constantly getting pregnancy tests, even, no, even knowing you're not, but just out of fear. Yeah. Um. So when you went to visit your GP, which did you do Um. probably not until later into your pregnancy so you were past your first try first trimester then were you when you went to see your GP no I actually went to the GP early on okay but I just didn't no I had gone I think maybe around six or seven weeks so I'd, I'd been to the GP and I had everything checked and I remember actually asking the GP this is going to sound awful but it's true so I have to yeah, say yeah. that but I remember saying like is there any chance I might miscarry like thinking you know this would be such a relief mm. like that horrendous like I know how awful that sounds but you know when you're 22 you're absolutely terrified that was something that I was thinking like am I am I going to get a a get out of jail free card like will I get out of this Mm. so early on and she said probably not because you're so young and healthy she was like well you know everything it's always a possibility but you probably won't but then as weeks went on, like I started to get a lot more comfortable with it myself. And then I felt terrible for even asking that question. Yeah, it's, it's all part and parcel of processing such shock at such a young age as well. Yeah. 
totally like it's it's definitely all part of the emotional upheaval yeah. that you face when you like that. So when you went to the hospital then for your scan, like when did it start to come into your mind that, OK, I need to prepare for this or I'm going to actually give birth? What do I have to do? Do I have to attend classes? When did all that start um, in motion? Um, I suppose as time went on, then like we had been living in an apartment and we moved into a house and we were kind of like, oh, we have to, you know, we have to start buying things and just getting ourselves organized. Um, in relation to like me understanding what was going on with my body and what was going to happen, we were in a very different world. Mm, like yeah. I, well, I remember going up like to the county library and like get paying a euro like to use the internet to look up pregnancy. Like mm. literally, like this was that was what you done at the time, or you went down to the bookshop and you bought a book that was published five years ago. And, you know, it had a picture of a, a baby coming out of a vagina that explained like what was going to happen. Totally different world. Like we didn't have the podcast. We didn't have Instagram. Like we didn't have there was no educators out there like there is today. There was no open conversations even with your with with relatives or family. It, it, I don't think it was even um like the conversation wasn't necessarily as welcomed as the, like, the detail maybe that you were looking for. Oh, totally. And I mean, the about when the baby came and what you'd need and, you know, how you were going to manage and this kind of stuff. But there was literally nothing about your body or how to cope with it or what might happen or what was normal or anything to that degree at all. So so t- talk to me then about your. So did you have an antenatal class? Was there one? We did. We went to an antenatal class. All right. I think I might have missed one or two of them, but they kind of showed you the delivery room, I think. And they told you about the epidural and about the pain relief and that that you might, you know, if you needed episotomy, this is what would be done. And, you know, like it gave you it did give you the information. All right. And you were shown like what to bring to the hospital, you know, the sheets for the bed Mm. or the sheets for the time. I don't know if people even do that now, but you used to do it then. Um, bring the nappies like all these kind of bits and bobs and it gave you some baby first aid as well like you were shown how to like if a child was choking or something like that you were shown how to like do the you know upside yeah, down yeah. thing that sort of stuff okay. like but like absolutely no proper mm-hmm. education about what was normal what was going to happen to your body how you would cope with anything you know, just basically, well, this is the pain relief options that are available to you. But like, I didn't understand anything about how this baby was going to come out or what was going to take place, you know. So how did you, I suppose you had no, no expectations then. How did you feel about um, going into labour? I think I just wanted it to be over. Yeah. I don't really I think I was just like, oh, whatever, like just you know, just go in there and get your baby and that's it. Like, mm. <laughs> I think I went into it totally blind, like with absolutely no understanding whatsoever of what might happen when I got there. So do you want to talk to me about the the first signs of labour starting? Um. So I was a couple of days over, nothing major now, maybe two days or something like that. And I had been up to the hospital and I, they'd given me a sweep, um, which I didn't think was too bad. Um, I found it OK. Um, so we co- I'd come home and 
I think I'd just been kind of hanging around the, the house, just kind of waiting to see if anything happened. Watched the telly for a while, had a nap, had a bath, and then I was getting out of the bath and I felt this kind of dead weight on my tummy, like this kind of pull. So I kind of went, mm, I wonder if this something or, you know, what's going on? I said, I'll give it another while. And then I started to feel just a lot of pressure, just a lot of like weight on the pelvis, kind of weight in the bum area, you know, kind of pushing down for a while. So I knew that something had begun. And um, I think I rang my mum. My mum actually is dead now. She she passed away seven years ago, but she was alive then. So I rang her and um, I think we were kind of trying to establish, you know, whether I was in labour or not. So after a couple of hours, she came into the house and I was really flushed, really red. And she was like, yeah, I think you need to go to the hospital. So I just I gave them a ring. Then um, I rang the labour ward and just explained how it was feeling. And they said, come in or the maternity, whatever it was. Um, so they said, come up. Now, I only lived like five minutes away, 10 minutes away, whatever. It was a very short journey. So they had said, come in. We'll see what's going on. And, you know, we'll take it from there. So all of that was fine like I arrived to the hospital and um, <laughs> I remember I ran up the stairs like there's three flights of stairs and I ran up because I didn't want anybody to see me okay <laughs> I don't want anybody to see me going in I actually ran up the stairs in early labor I don't know what I was thinking at the time but I just you know just that sort of panic that you might meet someone you know not that they were going to be able to do anything anyway but that's just how I felt at the time. And what was that, Maria? Was it some you didn't want to? You didn't want anyone to know you were in labour, or you still felt a little bit? I think I was a bit embarrassed, okay. like her. Just want people seeing me like that, or I don't know what was going on in my mind. But I ran up the stairs, and my mum was driving. So my boyfriend at the time, Lee's dad, was with us, and he got the bags and stuff from the car. But I went in on my own. But then he came up. He came straight up with the bags and everything. Um, and I think they done like they done a vaginal exam and they said you're like two centimeters or something. Yeah, you're staying, like you're definitely going to be staying. And it all kind of moved. The first bit kind of moved pretty quickly. Um they gave me an early epidural. So I didn't actually experience an awful lot of pain early on I mean it was uncomfortable I knew there was something going on but it wasn't like it wasn't horrendous or anything the early part so then <laughs> this is where it all went pear-shaped all night I had the epidural now back in those times an epidural was a very heavy block it felt very different to the epidural that I had last year it was like you really couldn't feel anything like and you couldn't your legs like wouldn't really move really or anything it was really different sensation um to how to how it uh, they done it when I had my little girl so I was lying there for hours and kind of just waiting like really it was really just nothing happening like they kept checking in and they had the monitors on and I could hear the higher feet and all the jazz like the usual stuff so hours and hours went by and then I think they said to me, oh, you're you're nearly fully dilated. So I don't know what happened. Was it really busy or something happened there at the time? But they left me for ages. They had to go for ages and like nobody came back. I don't know. Was there an emergency or something else going on in the next room or something? 
But when they came back, I was starting to get really uncomfortable. So I was starting to feel this kind of burning sensation. I could feel my hips kind of stretching, the pelvic stretch, which I now know is completely normal. Mm. But I didn't know that then. Very scary when you don't know that this is normal. So I had a really nice midwife with me through the night and she had to go. She was, I don't know, changing shift or whatever was going on. These two came in and their bedside manner left a lot to be desired. They just were not very nice. It was very unfortunate timing because I'd had a really heavy epidural all night where I couldn't feel a thing. And we were now coming to the point of my baby's going to exit. So it was getting pretty intense. My pain relief was starting to go. And we now had two new people in the room that were not very nice. And you were scared. Yeah. I was terrified. And I always said the fear was so much worse than the physical pain. Like the physical pain I probably could have coped with, with enough support. Mm. But the fear of God was in me at this point. And I really thought like that I was going to die and these two were not going to help me. You know, like when you watch something on TV, medical personnel come in. If someone's in trouble, they help them. Like I was lying there. I literally thought this was my last few moments on earth that I was like, just going to go like any minute. And these two, they were so unhelpful, just so unhelpful, chatting, like giving out. They were giving out about somebody. I don't know who the who the person was, but it was something to do with a golf club. Not to do with me, like as in where people go to play golf. Um, they talked over me while all this was going on. I was starting to really panic. Like if you just kind of, I suppose, what's the word? Visualize the situation, like a very intense pain. First time to experience it. And then to be distracted as well. <laughs> like, whereas I think if someone had just come up and held my hand and been like, okay, come on, take a few deep breaths. I actually probably would have been okay. I could have endured it, like I could have taken it. But they distracted me so much and they just didn't do anything that was in any way helpful to the situation. Did you feel paralyzed by it all? Um, like by the fear, by the situation, by the environment that I don't know why it, it feels like that was kind of the feeling. I think I was just totally overwhelmed mm. and so I couldn't breathe and I was vomiting as well. Mm. So I, my body, I don't know, like if it was a panic attack or if it was just part of, you know, the labor or if it was from just the exertion or what was going on. But like I was shaken, I was hot, I was vomiting, you know, the whole, I was like, <gasps> you know, this like hyperventilation, like where you're just, it was complete and utter distress. Like it was just, oh. it was awful, like just dreadful. And like, they didn't try to calm me down. Like I can't really understand, you know, why you wouldn't like, calm the situation when you can see somebody in that kind of distress but anyway um baby came without any major complications apart from 
apart from me, like being so terrified and so panicked. But um, he, thank God, he was okay. Um, <clears throat> there was no medical complications with either of us. Um, but the one of the, one of the people in the room, she was just so like dismissive and so rough and ready. Like she picked up my placenta. And she threw it across the room in a fit of rage like after I had the baby. I was like, <laughs> I've never seen anyone behave like that in a medical situation before. And it just, it was just so distressing and just so awful. Um, and then a lovely lady came in. She was an American, she had an American accent and she was doing the sutures or the stitching afterwards. And she was absolutely lovely. Like she was really nice to me, like really kind of calmed me down. She was like, you're OK. You've just had a baby boy. Like, it's fine. You, you know, you just have a few stitches. It's going to be OK. You're not like there's no damage done majorly. It's it's going to be grand. And she totally changed the situation. Because then I started crying then. <laughs> just the emotion just started to come out. And um, she was just so kind and I felt okay then, like she made me feel safe because she was there. Um, I don't know where the other two went, but they must have gone to the next room or whatever was happening, whatever was happening in there. Let's take a sip of water. Jesus. It's, it's, it just, when you meet, say someone after you've experienced what you, what you did and then you had that gorgeous nurse or midwife you just be like what would my experience how would I have felt if she was there do you know I know absolutely and it was just it was just a very hard thing to have to cope with you know like you're trying to get obviously like having a baby for the first time is it turns you upside down mm. inside out even when everything is fine mm. and you know when you have something like that type of fear and that type of a scary situation then like on top of it like I remember coming back to the ward after and just been like oh my god am I still here like am I going to see my parents like am I like is, am I okay like will I can I ring my mom like it's like literally just kind of standing there going how did I even survive that like <laughs> still here like Literally, I remember standing in the shower looking down and like just going like, God, like is my body okay? Like, can I still, I can still stand? Like, <laughs> like did I just survive that? Like, I felt like I'd been in a car crash or something. You know, it's just rough. And so what were the few days like then um, following Lee's birth? Did you, when did you get home and what was the support like then? Um, it wasn't actually too bad. I kind of, uh, the first few days we had a lot of family calling and stuff like that. And that was all fine. Now I was very sore afterwards and I didn't get proper pain relief. I had to go back up to hospital a few days later, but that was literally just a case of, there was nothing wrong. I just had to get diphene or something. Cause I, I like, they didn't give you pain relief then, mm. you know, I had my daughter they gave me diphene straight away but I didn't get that the first time I don't know what was going on maybe it just wasn't the done thing at the time but um I didn't really mind my postpartum um 
I had a, it was okay. Like, I, I liked, I liked being with my baby. Like, I enjoyed that, you know, I liked the snuggles and I liked the time we spent together. Granted, like that memory kind of, you know, used to scare me when I'd think of it. But overall, um, I actually had a pretty good experience in the early months. Um, I found it much more difficult later on when I had to go back to work and that. But but the early postpartum was, was reasonably good, I suppose. Well, as good as it can be for any new mom that's trying to find her way. And just you mentioned there that you had a good experience in the early months, kind of alluding to maybe the fact that in the months following it was tougher. Do you think that was due to early, was it re- due to returning to work or was it a hor- like a hormonal crash or something like that? Mm, I think there was a combo of things in it. Like number one, the relationship I was in was not going well at that time. Okay. Um, starting to break down. I didn't have much help or much support. I felt like I had to do everything myself. Then I had to go back to work, which, you know, just adds more stress into an already stressful situation. And also in those t- in those times, I wouldn't have had the ability or the confidence to kind of prioritize things the way I would now. Mm. Somebody asked me to do something now. I'm like, Jesus, I'm really sorry. I just can't. I just can't do it. Like. <laughs> Whereas in those times, I probably would have said, oh, yeah, like I'm not wanted to miss it or, you know, want, wanted to be everywhere, wanted to be a normal 24 year old or whatever age I was at the time. Um, just probably just didn't really grasp the fact that I wasn't physically able to keep doing everything that I wanted to do and not able to prioritize or to just, you know, say no, I can't like I just can't fit that in. That's a really hard transition to make though. Those years are, I suppose everyone around you was going out doing doing different bits and bobs and you couldn't do it because you were at a different stage of your life. Yeah. Absolutely. And that was, you know, the time when people went out all the time. Like people went Friday night, like it's not as it's not as common now. Well, not in my circles anyway. <laughs> but um you know, I think I just was trying to be all things to all people and just didn't really understand the circumstances that I was in fully. So fast forward to your life now. When did um, you, I suppose, decide to get pregnant again and add to your family? Or did you make the decision? Uh, not really. <laughs> I, I dodged for years. Um there was a number of things at play in it. Number one, I was running a business. So like I did not have much free time. Mm. I was up to my, you know, years go, like 10 years go by in the blink of an eye and you don't even realize it. <laughs> like and, um, it's one thing, I suppose, in the pandemic, like I was forced to stop. Like I had to stop working. I had to relax a bit. And, you know, I definitely think that that had a huge impact on how my body and mind responded <laughs> this time around um so yeah it was just I turned 40 at the end of 2020 and um I actually remember it was just before Christmas I was having a chat with um one of my friends about babies and she, she was contemplating having another etc etc and I was like, oh, you know, I said, I really wish I'd had one. And I was like, oh, sure, I'm coming up to a 40 now. You know, I said, mm, my chances are probably going to be reduced. And, 
et cetera, et cetera. And um, I was kind of grieving a little bit for it. Okay. I kind of went through a bit of grief. Like, I think I sort of grieved that my baby grew up for a start. Mm. <laughs> I grieved that, I grieved for myself and for how sad I was at the time and how difficult it was for me through the through the different stages. And then I was kind of grieving as well for like the, set, the other child that I'd never had. So there was there was a, definitely a huge sense of sadness there and sort of an, a, a big heartache to it. And um, I turned 40 that December. And when you turn 40 in a pandemic and you can't go out, <laughs> like you do a lot of chilling out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, in, you know. <laughs> anyway, long story short, by the end of January, <laughs> I was pregnant (laughs) but I think you know definitely the rest those few months like the not working as much I think that had a huge impact on my body like and how because I was so rested Mm. I was so rested and I'd had a lovely December I'd we'd had drinks we'd eaten we just chilled out so much and just kind of relaxed at home together and I don't know mother nature obviously got involved and helped me out a little bit because it never happened for years before so I don't know I just think maybe it was just all part of the big plan and was meant to happen so and again did you have a missed period or did you have have that same feeling if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So I had a feeling, but I didn't put two and two together straight away because I had I suffer with low iron. And if you if you know anyone who suffers with low iron, when your iron is low, you kind of get these symptoms that are a little bit like pregnancy, mm-hmm. like, a little bit nauseous, a little bit tired, um, kind of a funny taste in your mouth, like stuff that you just wouldn't. They're quite similar in the early weeks. So it took me a while, actually, for the penny to drop this time. Because um, I'd been, I'd gone to the doctor and got bloodstone and my iron was low. And I started taking it. And after about 10 days, I was like, Jesus, like, oh, I said, this is horrendous. Like, I'm getting sicker and sicker here. Like, what's going on? You know, I was like, should be feeling better. I'm actually feeling worse. So I was in town one day. I was in deals and I just happened to see a load of cheap pregnancy tests. I, I threw one into my basket. I was like, oh, I'll just do one tonight, right? Now, I had done plenty in my time mm. before. I kind of just thought, oh, you're only peeing on this now for the sake of it, sort of thing. <laughs> you know, thought it was just like, tick a box. I was like, I'm not even going to waste my money on an expensive one <laughs> type of thing. Like, I'll just buy the one that's 150. Like, sure, I was like, it's fine. So, I was in work, and um, of course, we weren't actually working because we were in uh, lockdown, but I had stuff to do, just post to do, taking down the Christmas decorations. I think this is at the end of February. And um, I just went into the toilet and, like, just peed on it. I was like, are you kidding me? Like the two lines. I was going, no, 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 no. This has to be wrong. Like, this is definitely a mistake. Couldn't be, couldn't really be. And I was, I was very happy. Like I was in, I instantly felt joy, but shock. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like, oh my God, is like, what? Is this not could be? So I popped off down to the pharmacy to buy an expensive one. <laughs> 99 one or whatever it is. And I actually went home then I was like oh I'll just do it at home so I done it then at home and it was positive then the second time so I knew (laughs) it was definitely right and um like joy but shock like I always say a shock is still a shock even when it's good yeah absolutely yeah (laughs) you know even when you're delighted you still like it took a while to process it like even when I told my husband he was kind of like what really you know and um it took us like about two weeks I was kind of going around for about two weeks going Jesus like is this really like are you and I'd rang my sister who incidentally had the exact same news for me oh stop <laughs> ah. 
She was seven weeks pregnant. Oh my god, that's so cool. Yeah. So yeah, we have the two little the two little scuts now, uh, Keelan and Stevie. They're the best of friends and love hanging out together. But uh, yeah, that was the first that was the first day. So when you went into this pregnancy, did you immediately immediately think? I know there's so many resources out there. I'm going to get stuck in and prepare as much as I can. Or what did you, how did you feel? Yeah, I definitely did. I suppose the, the start, I was just a bit like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Who am I going, like, where am I going to go? Like I had, um, my sister knew and I had like told one good friend who was pregnant as well. She, well, she was a good few months on, like everyone knew she was pregnant, but like just, I just needed to like, some people to talk to and then I started listening to a couple of different podcasts and things and that's how I event that's how I came across this podcast but um I was looking for ones on early pregnancy at the time just you know the symptoms the stuff to watch out for the way that you're feeling like all those kind of things are you know it's, it's such a change and it's overwhelming at the start and um, I think I was just looking for some kind of reassurance, mm. like I was about being older and I just, I think I was just looking for some type of chat or information or just anything to kind of make me feel a little bit more at ease at the time. And then when you found what you were looking for, so found conversations and found the, found there was loads of resources out there and it was, did you, did you really dive into that? Absolutely. Yeah. And I started following loads of birth educators. And I was like, this is going to be so different. I'm going to know exactly what I want to do. Like, I'm not going to be in this situation again, you know, where I'm going into something so blind. And um, <clears throat> later on, like later on in the pregnancy, I came across um, a lovely lady who specifically helps people to deal with trauma. And I done a couple of sessions with her. Okay, great, um, yeah and stuff and I found that extremely helpful because I kind of needed to I needed to go back there yeah. in my mind you know and kind of I find sometimes when you have a conversation about something that was traumatic in the past it jogs your memory you start remembering things like so sometimes we'd have a zoom and then maybe for a week or two later I'd be going oh god yeah I remember that I remember that happened and kind of I just I kind of had to just go back to that place for a little while I just kind of there's a lot of pent-up emotion there like a lot of fear a lot of anger a lot of doubt a lot of feelings that I had to kind of let them out mm. and sort of exp- again and try and kind of get myself back into the headspace a little bit so that was interesting I think that was around this time last year I think it was around the August that we were um we were do- having those conversations and I was kind of going through it again reliving it a little bit that's amazing that you did that because maybe someone else in your position might not have done so because it was so long ago you'd you'd think um it's fine I'll just do the preparation for the the birth that's ahead of me it's been so long ago I don't need to deal with that but that's really amazing that it was you're really kind to yourself and looked after yourself by doing that the right way and and going to I suppose really try and process what happened before absolutely Um, but I really need like it was there was a huge it was a huge emotional upheaval I'd you know held on to it for so long mm. it was always like I suppose the weak the weakest part of me was that kind of th- those kind of feelings of self-doubt mm. you know of 
background being a mother and stuff like that so it was yeah it was a dark place I had to I really felt like I was going to a dark place in my mind while I was trying to get through it but it was definitely worth it in the end. You probably felt exhausted for those few weeks when you were working through it. Yeah, it was. It was a little bit overwhelming and I kind of I kind of had to switch off nearly from a lot of other things mm. and just had to let my emotions kind of do their own thing. And, you know, there was stuff that was just buried there, you know, because, you know, when you when you have a baby, like they hand you the child and you never have a minute to yourself again. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> And I think, you know, there was just, there was stuff there that just needed, just needed time to think it again and kind of feel it again and sort of acknowledge it and realise it. And and that's how I came through it. I won't say it was easy, but no. it was worth it. And did you feel um, a sense of excitement or, OK, let's do this when, when that kind of, when you started to see this experience for what it could be? Yeah, like I was very excited now to meet this new baby mm. and we didn't know having, I kept, like we didn't find out. Um, so I was, and I loved that. I loved that I didn't know. That that really kept, got me through difficult times. Like every every day I'd be kind of, you know, oh. holding my belly going like, oh my God, I wonder if it's a boy or a girl. Yeah, I love that too, yeah. <sighs> it was, I loved that. It was just one feeling that I really, really enjoyed the not knowing. Um, and I think that was a huge part of it, just the anticipation of, you know, what this new person was going to be, what they were going to be like and thinking about the life that we were going to have mm. now forward. And I think all those kind of things helped, helped me hugely. Can you mention any resources that you used or any classes that you attend that helped you? Um, I have, um, I can tell you the name of the lady that... Yeah. She has an Instagram account. It's called Bump and Beyond Wellness. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Lorna is her name. Yeah. She absolutely fabulous and helped me a lot. And I probably just followed other people. Like I listened to a lot of these podcasts now, sort of around this time last year when I was coming up to the birth. Okay. And I loved that. I loved listening to other people's stories because I was going in to have an induction and I was kind of scared about it. But I loved hearing other people's and how they got on and, you know, what it was like for them and what they did when, when they went in. Um, and I also followed that lady, um, Empowered Mama. She mm -hmm. had twins. Yes. Well, she had twins last August, I think, and or maybe September. And she had an induction for the twins. And I, I really loved Emma's birth story. Uh, she shared it on Instagram and that gave me great kind of peace of mind um because I knew I was going to be having something quite similar obviously not twins but um I just liked she had a really good experience with hers and I felt that that was very reassuring when I read her story. So talk me through talk me through your induction why was the decision made to induce you? So uh, apparently when you're over 40 they don't like you to go past the um 40 weeks um, and I know that that's a controversial topic and look each their own. I'm like not here to judge anyone. But for me, I wanted my baby out by then. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm done. Not in the sense of that I hated the pregnancy or anything because I really enjoyed my pregnancy. But I just wanted my baby in my arms. I was starting to get anxious. I was starting to get jittery. I just I wanted to hold it. And I just wanted to know that it was here and everything was okay. 
So when they mentioned to me induction, I was like quite happy to go ahead with it. Um, and I also had the experience of being two or three days overdue, which I know is not a but every hour that you're overdue feels like a day. So it wasn't really, you know, I wasn't that bothered about the induction. I, I went ahead with it and actually had a great experience with mine. Thank God. So tell me about your experience then. So, um, so what they decided to do was try a sweep first, which I had before and I, I find them okay. Like I don't mind them. Uh, obviously they're not the most pleasant thing in the world, but grant, I didn't find it pain, too painful around then. So they decided to do the sweep first and then book me for the induction three days later. So they were going to see if the sweep was going to kick things off or if we were going to need to go further. So that was fine. I had the sweep done on the Thursday evening and came home and had a small little bit of a show and like contractions and stuff. Nothing major now, just kind of, you know, kind of like strong Braxton, Hick, Braxton Hicks. So that kind of went on and off for a couple of days. It was neither went neither here nor there. Didn't really put me into labour or anything. So um, they had booked me anyway for the induction for the Monday morning. So I needed to be there at 5.40, I think, really early. Um, so we went in and... 5.40 in the morning? Yeah, we went in at 5.40. And I don't know what, there was loads of faffing around, filling out paperwork and loads of checking this and checking that and stuff like that that was going on for a while. So they gave me the first gel at 7 o'clock or a quarter to seven or something and it actually worked straight away okay yeah so I had this kind of a funny sort of a reaction how the only way I could describe it is it was kind of like a panic attack but I wasn't panicked at all oh. in my it was like my body done it I got all hot and sweaty like I was starting to you know starting to vomit like loads of cough and and my heart rate went up and, my, and baby's heart rate went up really high. So it was a little bit scary, but I was actually fine. Like I, I had learned a lot of the um, calming techniques like the hypnobirthing and stuff um, from the classes that I had done with Lorna. And I actually was fine. Like I, I put my head over to the side like this and kind of just went to this safe place in my mind. Oh. And I kept just breathing and it was fine. Like but they had to do loads of different things. Like they gave me, um, they'd give me some sedation drugs and different stuff like to, to bring the heart rate back down. Um, so I was kind of a little bit out of it. I was kind of just lying there for the first couple of hours and I could feel, I could feel the tightenings going on on the bump. And I knew something was happening, but it actually took me ages for the penny to drop that it was actually labour. They brought in a consultant just to check everything over and he had his hand on my belly and he was like measuring the contractions and watching on the screen and stuff. And like, I just heard him say to the girls that were in the room, uh, no, no maternity, just straight to labour ward. And I was kind of going, oh my God, <laughs> I went, oh Jesus, like, this is actually labour. I was like, how the hell have you not copped? But you know, because I was three days of getting contractions, I was kind of like, you know, at that stage, you're like, mm. Sir Anthony here. Like, I think I was just a bit switched off from it. And um, so, yeah, um, 
they brought me down then, I think. To the, I was actually able to walk down. Like, they let me walk down to the labour ward. I actually felt okay dying for the toilet, which I wasn't able to go. But I didn't realise at that stage, like, that we were kind of, it was moving on. Like, things were moving on and I didn't really realise. And you didn't feel it? You didn't feel the, the pain? Um, I had, like, some tightenings and a lot of pressure. But, like, it wasn't, I wasn't in any huge pain at that point okay. now changed later on <laughs> but at that point at that point it wasn't in any major pain um so what happened then they brought they moved me down anyway to the labor wars that was around 10 o'clock in the morning and they were giving me like all these tens machines and stuff but i just found them irritating like i thought you know the surges were starting to build like they were building and they were getting sore and getting sore and Oh, you know, there's all these things strapped around me. I was like, oh, you just just let me go. You know, I couldn't get comfortable. And I was trying to like, I couldn't sit, I couldn't stand. It was, you know, you're trying to like lean on the edge of the mm. bed. It's like so uncomfortable. I was like, I just want to lie down. I just want to go home and lie down. And um, there was there was nothing like that happening at all. Um, but I had the birth plan written. And I had written in it like about the trauma and that I didn't want anything like that to happen to me again. Um, and they took that out and the doctor, like, like I seen the doctor reading it and she came over and she was like, that all seems perfectly reasonable. Because I had asked for things like, you know, can you help me? Like, can you support me? Like, can you help me to concentrate? Like, can you just come and tell me to take the breath so that like I don't get distracted? Like this is the kind of stuff that I had put in the plan because that wasn't done before. Mm. And I thought that I needed to ask for that. Um, I don't think you do because they seem to be very good, but I thought that I needed to be very specific about these things when I was writing it. Um, but she was, they were very nice. Like they were, they were much more helpful this time. And even like as things kind of intensified later on, then I was finding it more difficult. Um, it was getting sore and sore, and I was getting more uncomfortable. And they were getting stronger, and I was kind of going, "Oh Jesus, like how much more of this?" <laughs> you know, you get to that point where you're like, "Jesus, like is this going to end anytime soon?" And I thought it was going to be like an awful lot longer than it was. But even at that stage, I think I think we were about five hours in. Um, what did they do then? They said they were going to break the waters. And that was OK. Like it wasn't that sore. But shortly afterwards, it got very sore. I could feel like, you know, a lot of the pressure coming on the inside part of my hips and stuff. Like I had no pain relief at all now at this stage. Okay. Was, what was your plan? Did you were you going to ask for it? My plan was kind of see how I go. Um, again, I didn't really know like how fast or slow it was going to be. Mm. And it's like I think, I think when they broke the waters, I was two centimeters, and I was kind of going, "Oh Jesus!" Like I'm not going to stick this. Like, I was like two centimeters. Are you serious? It's going to go on for ages. So. Um, the midwife came in then and she had read my birth plan. That's what she was talking to the doctor about. And she said to me, um, I saw your plan. You know, I seen you had a really traumatic birth before. 
um, do you want to get an early epidural? And I said, well, I do, but I don't want it to wear off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is there any chance it might wear off? <laughs> because that's what happened before. And she she came in and she was like, look, there's no way like that we're going to let it wear off. Like they can't. It, once it goes in, like, that's it. Like, we'll, we'll top it up as you need it. So I said, okay, fair enough. Um, that's grand. So she called down the anaesthetist. I'd gone to the toilet. Couldn't do we Like, literally, I must have asked them about 50 times to keep letting me in and out of the toilet and they had to unstrap everything. But I kept thinking I needed to go. Couldn't do we Into the bathroom. Huge poo. And I mean huge. <laughs> said to the nurse I was like seriously now I was like I'm having, like I'm after having the hugest poo I've ever seen in my life and she was like great yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's fabulous she was like your baby's I was like really I was just so glad that it happened to, the toilet, to be honest yeah. like the real well, you're lucky like, you did because oh. it didn't for me either time <laughs> oh the, like there was there was poo on the bed mallet couldn't feel anything because I had the epidural, but I could smell it. <laughs> the second time then, I was like, oh my God, thank Christ. <laughs> God. <laughs> thank God that happened when it did. And um, what happened then? The, the, yes, the anaesthetist was coming down then. And it was getting very, very intense and very sore. Like as soon as that poo went, whatever happened, like baby's head just down. It was getting really, really sore. I could really feel it in my bones, you know, like that pushing yeah. down. And I was sitting on the edge of the bed for the epidural to go in. And this was hardcore. Like I was really starting to lose my mind at this stage. I had a really lovely student midwife. Um, Tara was her name, if I'm allowed to name her. She was so good. It was her first day on the job. And um, she was just lovely. She had a few, she has a few kids herself, but she kind of kneeled on the floor and like held my two hands while he was putting in the thing into my back. And um, like her support was just mm. fabulous. At the time. Like I was just like, <gasps> you know, my head was down. I couldn't, I was like this horrendous, but she just held my hands. She was like, just stay here now. It's going to be over in a minute. You're okay. Like she just kept saying to me, you're fine. Just breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth. You're going to be absolutely fine fabulous girl really really reassured me and she was brilliant and they got it in and then um I remember saying to my husband if you want to get a sandwich now is the time because mm. <laughs> I feel okay and I thought I was going to be there for hours like I thought like epidurals in now I'm going to be here for like at least six or seven hours thought I might get asleep now while I've no pain you know because I thought it was going to be like the last time but um it didn't last very long. Like I started to feel some pain again after I'd say maybe about an hour, hour and a half. Now it wasn't horrendous. Like it was sore, but it was okay. Like I could definitely cope with it. Um, won't say it was very nice, but it wasn't the intensity that I had experienced before. Um, so what happened then? I think my midwife went on her lunch. She was like, I'm going to my lunch for an hour. I'm going to leave you with this other girl. She's going to put in a catheter and all this kind of stuff. And they were training in the the 
the girl Tara. So they wanted to show her everything and explain everything to her. And they asked me, was that okay? And I said, absolutely, like no problem at all. Um, so they were putting in the catheter and they were explaining what they were doing and all this kind of stuff. And then once my bladder drained, like things just moved really, really quickly. This was all within like the space of the hour. Mm. Like my when my wife went on her lunch, she came back 10 minutes early and um she done a vaginal exam and it was nine it was nine centimeters at this stage. Like I could feel um my tailbone was really sore and I kept saying to her, I said to the girl, like, oh, like my tailbone's really sore. I said, Can you change my position? Can you put a pillow under me or something? My tailbone's really sore. And she was like, Really? And I said, yeah, then I kind of went, oh, God, like this epidural isn't working or whatever. But I don't think it was that it wasn't working. I think it was just the baby was coming yeah, at that stage. Yeah. It was literally just the expansion or whatever. Um, so she checked anyway, and we were nine centimetres. And then she said to me, um, we're going to start pushing in a few minutes. I was quite shocked because this was only like coming up to two o'clock. Like, I thought I was going to be there for a lot longer. Um, so I was quite, I was a little bit shocked. Like I was like, really? Are you sure? Like, so we started off anyways with the pushing at um, two o'clock. Now it was difficult. Like, you know, I had that tailbone pain with every contraction. It went right down into it, like really severe into the nerve endings in the tailbone. Won't say it was pleasant, but it was very useful in relation to like understanding like how long I needed to yeah. do. Um, it was kind of, it was kind of okay. Like it was sore, but I definitely found it quite useful. Um, and it certainly was no, nowhere near as severe as the pain that I was in with my first uh, labor when I was doing the, the pushing that time. It was, that was very intense, very difficult to concentrate. So um, I found it not too bad, like this time as well, as good as birth can can be, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, we were doing that for a while. And then I think, yeah, I think after about half an hour, I was starting to lose the will. <laughs> they brought in another midwife. It was quiet there that day. They brought in another midwife and they were doing, it, you know, the holding the legs where they kind of push you backwards a little bit. I was like at this stage just going oh Jesus Christ come on like get it over with it was just you know I was just losing losing the will but then she came out out she popped um and they said to me like your baby has loads of hair like it's baby has like a full head of hair and you know they, they I put my hand down and funny thing was that I was actually born with loads of hair myself and I still don't think I actually copped that it was a girl, but like I could see the hair and then, yeah, she just, she just, they got the the head out first, obviously. And then the next bit like was not, was not too bad. Like she just came out and they just held her up like this mm -hmm. and I could, that it was a girl. I said to my husband, is it a girl? And he was like, yeah, it's a baby girl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we were very excited. Um, that was lovely. Did lovely she come up onto your chest? Yeah, they put her up straight away, but I think they needed to get her breathing so they couldn't leave her there for very long. They got her up for a second and then they had to like do something, you know, the little tubey thing or the 
squeezy thing mm-hmm. that they put in. Um, only took a few minutes, and then she it only took a minute, and then she started crying. Um, and it, it was all okay. Um, but they they just didn't. I didn't get to leave her there very long because they were concerned at the time that there was something amiss or whatever. But um, it it all turned out to be fine in the end. So yeah, it was lovely. Really, really, really nice experience. So, so different to what I thought it was going to be like. I think I had myself prepared for the absolute worst and it just wasn't like that at all. It was just such a different experience. Like I felt so supported. Yeah, it really sounds like, like it. I felt helped, you know, um, it was just completely different, like so different to what I thought it was going to be like. And what was your experience like in the following hours after she was born? How did you feel? Did you feel, did you feel that oxytocin rush? I totally yeah, did. Yeah. I felt euphoria, and I kind of still have it a little bit. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> Two years later. <laughs> oh my God, I still, still kind of hold on to it a yeah. little bit, but oh God, yeah, it was so, so different. Like the emotions were so so different like I felt totally elated um like just the I suppose the excitement as well yeah and, like I didn't ever think I'd I never really thought about having a little girl like I, I think because I had a boy the first time I just assumed that I was going to have one again <laughs> like it was kind of weird um and then yeah it was it was just it was so surreal and I remember coming back to the ward and being like oh my god like that was actually amazing. Like mm. I can't do that again. I was like, this is a totally different experience. I can't believe how fabulous birth can be. Um, just felt really lucky, I suppose, and really blessed that that it was such a lovely, it was such a lovely day. And even like when I look back on that day, I I remember it with such a happy memory. You know, I feel like, oh my God, that was one of the best days of my life. That was amazing. You know, relive it in your mind. I, I relive it in my mind a lot of, of how much I actually enjoyed it. That's amazing. That's so nice. I have goosebumps listening to you speak there because it's so nice to hear that you got that experience after such a, yeah. an awful traumatic experience, which affected you 18 years on. And it's yeah. so much so that you had to, you know, dig deep and kind of resurrect all of those thoughts and emotions to get you to 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 such a good place so it's 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 really it's a really really nice positive story I think it's a really important story for people who have suffered trauma maybe who are pregnant now or are questioning whether they want to have another baby because they were so traumatized in the first place but that it is possible to have that that positive experience so thank you so much that was that was cool yeah thank you (laughs) oh you're welcome yeah it is a lot totally like I you know like I said at the start my experiences were like chalk and cheese Mm. (laughs) they're totally totally different like from the extreme low to the extreme high but um yeah an interesting journey anyway motherhood and just a very very different experience all around and do you feel like motherhood second time around um you've settled into it a little bit more or how do you feel oh yeah I felt I really enjoyed it this time um but I was in very different circumstances Mm. like I had very of a very supportive husband you know he does half the work with her like you know he would have out of his way to make sure I had enough rest mm. and those kind of like that all helps oh yeah that all, all makes a huge huge difference like if you have if you're doing it as part of a team as opposed to like feeling like you're trying to do everything on your own 
Yeah, um, thanks so much for oh, having me. Um, I really enjoyed bit of therapy in itself. It is. It? And, I, and I, I get so much from it. I think it's brilliant. I get so, so much from it. So thank you for sharing so much. And thank you again for your patience. Thank you. Yeah, no worries at all. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. You can get in touch over on the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, which I will link in the show notes. Click on the share your story tab and I will get back to you as soon as possible after you fill in those few details. You can get in touch over on Instagram, but I'm just not very active there at the moment. Um, Enjoy your week and I'll chat to you soon. 